Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Jen. My name is Nicholas. And today we are going to be reviewing some cool uh, science fiction titles that we have read recently, or maybe semi-recently, at <laughs> least. <laughs> Recently-ish. Yes. All right. So did you want to start? Oh, actually... I had an idea that we could start by going over what we believe science fiction to actually be. Like, how would you determine, like, what science fiction actually means? Like, if you were in charge of, you know, choosing which books go out on our shelf in that section, what would you say that is? Hmm. You can't see me, audience, but I'm thinking pensively right now. So, (laughs) uh, for me, it's usually takes place in the future. Um, There may or may not be spaceships. I like my science fiction with spaceships, but I guess it's not necessary um really i don't know it takes place in a future that i guess is different from our own like for example if you had a future that takes place 500 years from now but it basically looks the same like that's not really science fiction to me that's just really long contemporary stuff i guess right so to you i I hear you keep saying future it has to be in the future yeah i think i think it it has to be be or maybe an alternate present Okay, not the past. past. Okay, I was going to say, because some of mine are going to be alternate past. Okay. Well, I feel like there's a definition, but I feel like it's it's like I it's know hard. it when I see it. It's hard. Well, and, and the fact is, and I, this is the one book that, that we both read that we're going to talk about. This one, I always debate with my friends, and uh, I'll just say it's The Martian. <laughs> I always debate with my friends. I was so excited when I first read it, too, and I would try to tell them, I'd say, it's not even science fiction. It's just fiction, because we could do all of this right yeah. now. You know what I mean? Like, everything, all the, the technology that's in it, um, I always say, like, it's just something that we haven't done, but mm-hmm. we could do. So, to me, I feel like, I mean, the aspect of space travel is, like, a huge part of science fiction to me, too. But, I don't know. I guess, for me, science fiction is something, it, it incorporates something that, like, we cannot conceive of yet. Like, okay. we cannot operate, whether that's, like, aliens or, like, a technology that is just outside of our grasp that we can't reach yet. Okay. I don't know. Do you think that's... (laughs) I can see that. Although I I definitely, I mean, I always classified The Martian as science fiction just because so much of that story is science-based. Like, Right. Well, and that's another thing. What if science fiction is just a lot of science, like actual science? To me, I'm going the opposite way. Like, oh, something that could never happen. Almost like fantasy, but with tech. And so it's it's kind of, it's funny in that way. I don't know. I guess science fiction to me is fantasy with tech. (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. I could I could definitely replace the dragons with spaceships and you got you yeah. got science fiction. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a fun conversation to have, especially with, you know, how some of these titles kind of toe that line between fiction and uh science fiction. Yeah, like it's like even like some aspects of like like Star Trek, we'd see that and we'd be like, Yeah, that's not really science fiction anymore. That's mm-hmm. that's a that's like iPads. Like that's a thing. Right, right. There's so many aspects to it that are just so normal. So, um, I guess we can just jump right in. Did you want to go over your first title, Nicholas? Sure. Uh, my first title is actually called, uh, it's called Providence, and it's by Max Berry. I wasn't quite sure how I would feel about it just based on the cover. It's kind of this weird, like, cover of this astronaut just sinking down into goo. And I was like, this looks oh, super, no. super weird. <laughs> um, but I read it, and it's actually a good, it's actually a, the cover kind of relates to it, but not really. Um, it's about this... Humanity kind of encounters this this alien race they call salamanders, for lack of a better word. But that goes back to your, like, stuff we can't conceive of because mm-hmm. they're almost just piles of goo. Oh. Like, it's 
it's it's harder the book does a better job of explaining it but they're they're like kind of piles of goo with an outer shell and they they spit these um essentially gravity anomalies that can like rip a person apart or a ship and and uh in I, the, I just don't like it when that happens it's yeah, too it's, sad it's not great and they, <laughs> they call them hawks because that's the sound they make it's kind of a hook hook whenever oh, they boy. vomit them at people um but to respond to this humanity's created these just giant spaceships like enormous spaceships they call providences that which they never explain why uh, maybe it's like a hammer of god thing i don't know um but they basically they crew it with like four people just four people uh and then they send it out into space for like five years to just kill a bunch of salamanders oh boy um wait so, how big are the salamanders eh, human-sized ish but they can fly through space and they don't need to breathe Ooh, so and if, do it. if they get close enough to the ship their like little huck things can actually rip a hole in the side because it you know it's a gravity anomaly right. so it's one of those like if even one gets close your entire ship could be destroyed but oh. uh, um, but yeah it's it's kind of follows there's there's some plot twists and turns and it it kind of the the ship is mostly run by an AI okay. um, which we're kind of like ooh AI's the Terminator it's evil um, and I love AI. Yeah, I, it, it, I mean, th- this AI, they kind of make a joke, like they say hello to it, uh-huh. when it when they first come in and it doesn't respond. And, and at the end of the book, it says hello back. Oh. So it's kind of like, oh. It's finally friends with them? Or wait, it's going to take over. No, it's it's always kind of been friendly. That's so sweet. Yeah. I love to think that if I was an AI and I don't, I don't know that I'm not, <laughs> that I would be friendly. I hope. <laughs> I would hope so. I feel like you would. Thank you. I just, I don't know, that... AI is such an interesting aspect to science fiction as well. I feel like there's a lot that goes yeah. mm-hmm, into yeah. into that kind of stuff. Definitely. All right. Is it, oh wait, and I was going to ask, how long is this book, and is it a series? It is not a series, which is actually really hard to find in science fiction. It's yeah. real hard to find a one-off. Um, I'd say it's about maybe 400 pages. It's not a super long read. Uh, it's got an audiobook version, which is, I mean, it's good. It's not, like, crazy awesome, but it's it's... It's fine. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I need it to be not too long of a read. That's that's what I need. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have a few... So I'm trying to think. I think I'm going to go with The Martian next. So this is one that we've both read. <laughs> and this is the one that um, I always love to talk, talk with my friends about. When I first... Okay. Rewind. <laughs> I had never heard of the book, right? This is years ago. I didn't even know. I was fortunate enough to go with my friends to San Diego Comic-Con. I look back on that now, and I am just in awe that I was ever able to even get to do that. Kind of crazy that that was ever a thing. It's for multiple reasons. Yeah, Yeah. so many reasons. (laughs) Um, Yeah, right now I think I would have a lot of anxiety going to something like that. But um, Andy Weir, the author, Mm -hmm. was hosting a panel. So NASA itself had, like, a few panels throughout Mm -hmm. the Comic-Con days. That makes sense. Yes, and Andy Weir um, was there for one of them, and he was there, and I, I don't know, I think I was just wanting to go to, like, a bunch of the NASA panels, because NASA is awesome, and uh, I love space. So, I was sitting in, and I heard about it, and he was there being interviewed about the book, and I was so intrigued by just his description of, like, how the book came to be, that I was like, I, I have to get this book right now, so I immediately, obviously, went to the floor, and I bought it, Um, and I have lent this book out, this is my own copy, I brought it in. <laughs> It's, it's like, bad. falling apart almost. Like, the spine is not happy. There's gross stains. I don't know who did that because I've lent it out so many times. But I read it during 
at the same time I was taking calculus, so I felt like very like scientific. I was yeah. like, oh wow, I know how to calculate all of these things. I actually don't. I was just, you know, being <laughs> like, fake. I could be a rocket scientist. Oh yeah, I could I could be the Martian. The gist of the story is Mark Watney is on um a a voyage to Mars. They are on Mars with his little team, and something goes bad with uh the wind, the storm. There's a storm, things go awry, his team sees him get, like, whisked off into the distance. He's gone, right? And they're, they say, this is so sad. Mark Watney is dead. They leave. <laughs> they leave. And then you start the book out by Mark Watney, like, giving, like, a little dialogue to himself. He's like, oh, I am totally in a really bad spot. I'm going to die because I'm left alone on Mars. And fun fact, Mark, Mark Watney's, like, narration is amazing. It is. It is really, really good. And actually, I saw the movie such a long time ago. I don't remember... Does he, do you hear like voiceover for him? Yes. Okay, it's I just basically can't constant. It's kind of like his running commentary. Right. Um, which, who was it, Matt Damon? Mm-hmm. I think he did a really good job as, as, good. as Mark Watney. Um, he kind of has this like, I don't want to say smarmy scientist, but kind of. Totally, yeah, like, I would say that. Yeah, he's, he's got this weird smarmy scientist thing going on. And, and uh, there's one line that I always laugh at that I can't repeat on a podcast because it's not family friendly. Oh, I was going to say, it has a lot of, if you're not like a fan of bad words, it has maybe a lot just of, like go into that knowing that it's going to happen. Yeah, there's there's a lot of them. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good book. Yeah, I think it's it's amazing. Oh, I forgot to tell the story of how the book came to be. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were just leaving people like to Google it no, or find just out. just Google it. You got to Google it and find out. No, I'll tell you a very short version of it. So basically, he was writing it like uh, from home, obviously, as you do as an author. Um, but it was how it first started was he would he would like send out chapters and sections as like an email blast to people, and they would read it and they would say this is great or the science is wrong. You know what I mean? They would say all these things, and then he would fix it, and then the new chapter, the new chapter would come out over a period of time. And it got obviously very popular, and so people would say they then said to him, they're like, oh. I just want this as an actual EPUB, an ebook. Please make it into that for me to read. So he did. And then some people said, I want it on my Kindle. Like, just make it in the Kindle store, please. And he's like, then it would cost money. And they're like, I don't care. So he put it, finally put it in the store and it just took off, obviously, like a rocket, mm-hmm. like a rocket. And so, <laughs> um, and there you go. And then the publishers picked it up, got made into a movie. It's kind of like a wild story but it is really good like the science is like solid what did he do before that obviously he wasn't like a full-time writer i don't remember but he has written there was there's a short story that he wrote that i really like he's written another book after the martian it's that, also like space yeah that's it's like a space heist thing it's it, it was not nearly as well received it's kind really? of the, no, oh, no. It, it, people were it thought it was either very average or like Less. Like one one criticism. Well, I support I, it. I haven't read it, and I support it. <laughs> one criticism of that book I heard was that everybody just sounded like Andy Weir. Like there was no character differentiation. Which... Oh, that's interesting. That's so. I was reading like a review because it's been a couple of years since I actually have read The Martian. So I was reading like another like a review of it, um, an article, and they were saying the only thing they would have asked more for in The Martian was more character development because Mark Watney, like the entire time. He's going, he's just like, oh no, I'm going to fix it. Oh no, I'm going to fix it just to survive. And so you don't get to have that like character, you know what I mean? Other than just like risk survival, risk survival, you know what I mean? Which I thought was interesting, but 
Maybe, I was delighted to go on that trip anyways. I mean, <laughs> like, maybe you should just write character books with just one character. Just, well, you know, yeah. the Jupiter person, the mm-hmm. Saturnanian. Like. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I think, I mean, it's really great. It is an uplifting book. It makes you excited about what we can do with space travel, science, teamwork. Um, I don't know. It makes you really inspired. If you're into science or math or anything like that, like definitely read this book. And if you, if you also, if you, any of you out there listening have Netflix, there's the a show called Away. That's I haven't seen it. So it's basically like kind of the same thing. It's humanity's mission to Mars. Okay. Um, but it's got I think it's Hillary Swank in it. And I don't know the guy who plays Will Gardner from The Good Wife. I, I don't has, know. I don't he know has a name, but I can't remember <laughs> it. Um, my wife always just calls him Will Gardner, even though that's not his real name. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but it's kind of the same thing. It's all very uplifting, and like everybody's kind of uh you know nobody's out to like get anyone else it's it it reminds me a lot of the martian that's good i love it yeah i think i don't know space travel is so like inspiring to me i get so emotional about it and interstellar will make me sob every day if i think about it never seen interstellar everybody interstellar is available for checkout at all of our libraries and you must put it on hold right now because it's the best movie that's ever been made it's my obsession <laughs> i love interstellar <laughs> better than his new movie tenant so i, I haven't heard. seen tenant i, I don't know it, one of re- my favorite review of tenant called it an aggressive loud math lesson i love math so, so and christopher nolan so i like yeah i love his movies i love math it seems like the greatest movie so right. here, there we go this is the greatest <laughs> show <laughs> but yeah for real put interstellar on hold watch interstellar it's also one of those like just very inspiring space travel like we can do science. I mean, Interstellar, okay, there's a little more like, that's the science fiction part coming out. Like, yeah. it's, you can't quite do that, but I still love it. So, but yeah, that's The Martian. Uh, what's your next book? Uh, my next book is actually a trilogy. Um, and it's, so it's, first thing to know going into it is it's an epistolatory novel. So it's written in like letters, interview transcripts, um, kind of like transcriptions of like, like videos, like that sort of thing. Um, it's called, uh, the series name is called The Themis Files, and it's actually a series of three books. The first one is called, oh uh, gosh, what is it? Waking Giants. The second one is Sleeping Gods. The third one is Only Human. Waking Giants, I have heard of. Yes, it is so good. I haven't read it. So the premise basically is this this woman, uh, when she's a little girl, she's pedaling on her new bike that she got for her birthday, falls down a hole and lands in a pit that it houses a giant metal hand oh which obviously is like not not a thing in real life Mm so you know she kind of remembers it but then goes on to you know goes on to study like physics and like that sort of thing but not necessarily because of the hand just because she's like good at it um turns out the hand was from aliens Um, naturally now of course um it's part of a robot that actually you know was disassembled and left kind of all over the globe um and the first book basically tracks the like the forming of this team um which i say team but it's like five people um it's i think it's a uh it's the doctor it's this mysterious government man that you like never learn his name but his in the book his font is actually different from everybody else's font and he's mostly the one that interviews people but it's it's kind of amazing um they've got a a linguist a french canadian linguist which the author is actually a french canadian linguist as well so that's kind of like his stand-in and then they've got two helicopter pilots from the u.s army but they basically the first book kind of tracks their 
their quest to find this giant robot and put it back together and learn how to pilot it. The end of the first book is like this, I think it's a little confrontation between like that robot and another robot, like another alien robot that comes down. Uh, the second book is kind of more alien robot on robot action. Um, then, then the third book is, is trying to think of how to describe it. Kind of the, what happens if you get another alien robot? Yes. Like, you know, the world is basically like fall into to shambles. You know, the U.S. has a robot that they use to basically knuckle everyone under. The Russians get a robot they use to knuckle everyone under. Um, and these are giant robots. These are giant robots. Okay, yes. Sever- like Godzilla-sized robots. Right. Forgive me. That's that's a like a an actual genre, correct? Like in yeah, what's in, it called? What's it called? I know it's like. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like Pacific Rim. Yeah, like it kai, falls, kaiju. Yes, I think yeah. I believe. Yeah, it's like giant I'm monster just in, because I can't in Japanese. Um, exactly. But, but yeah, they're they're really interesting books. They're pretty quick reads, only a couple hundred pages. Um, your your love of them really depends on how much you love the format of the epistolatory novel. Um, oh, okay. I enjoy it a lot. Um, I think I struggle a little bit with those. I actually like those whenever I can find them a little more than like kind of regular fiction. Um, okay. Especially um, one thing I want to call out with this series is the audiobook version. Uh, it's a full cast recording. So <gasps> cute. It's amazing. Like that's how I listen to all three of them. I've read them before, but listening to them, um, especially the the nameless government agent, you just kind of like whenever I read it now, I hear his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know that character and it's it's such a good series of novels i love full cast recordings for ebooks like that's i mean audiobook e-audiobooks or and audiobooks is so good yeah yeah that's one and there's another um series for teens kind of similar called the illuminea files same deal um uh that one also is a full cast recording that's um, awesome very good love it well maybe i'll check it out is yeah. it do you happen to know if the audio is on one of our the audio is definitely on Libby and Overdrive. Okay. 100%. I guess I'll check it out. You should. It's very good. I'll get it. (laughs) All right. So for my next one, I'm going to travel back in time a little bit uh, for both the publication of the book as well as the setting of the book because the author wrote it um, in the 70s, I guess basically at 1970-ish, and it took a little bit for it to get translated into English. Um. It was written by, let's see, I'm trying to make it so that I don't read the um, translator. So I, I have Arkady and Boris Strugatsky. Okay. A new translation. Yeah, they both wrote the book itself. I think it took a bit of time. I could be wrong, but it was coming off the Cold War. People weren't super excited like about having you know what I mean something from at the time Soviet um influence but it's a good book and I feel that it has truly influenced a big part of science fiction do you know what like zone fiction is like zone science fiction no so you you do you'll know so like have you seen Annihilation yeah okay so it's like that I would go so far as to say that this book literally indirectly influenced or had Annihilation come to pass the book version. Is it less trippy? Because Annihilation was Yes, like, it's less trippy. Okay, Annihilation was weird. Annihilation is very weird. Um, somebody should definitely correct me if, my, if I'm wrong, but this is my little hypothesis. <laughs> my hypothesis is that um, Arkady and Boris Dragotsky 
came up with this book, Roadside Picnic, and then everybody else was like, this is zone fiction. Now we're going to do the zone. You go into the zone. It's weird. It's going to eat you. This It's bad news to go into the zone. Don't go into the zone. <laughs> Don't go into the zone. But, of course, you always follow the, the person go who's the going in. <laughs> yeah. So um, you might find the title a little interesting, right? Roadside Picnic. What could this possibly mean? <laughs> <laughs> let's rap about this. <laughs> so let's imagine that um, you are going on a trip. You're going to – let's see. You're going to drive up to um, what's somewhere fun? Canada? Yeah. We're going to drive here to – a park. national park in Canada. Okay. Along the way, you decide that you're not going to stop at any restaurants. Okay. You pack all your lunches. Seems insane, but sure. Okay, we're going to pack all our lunches. So every few hours, we get out at a random place in nature, and we get out, and we're also bad in that we litter. So we we have a roadside picnic. We sit down, and we litter. I leave a can. I leave maybe a candle that's even still on fire or something like that. I leave... Um, raisins, maybe I leave like all these things. I'm terrible. I leave all this stuff, right? I leave all these creatures, these ants, these bugs, they were terrified. They said, who are these intruders? They come and they say, what is all this stuff? They will eat this and it will kill them. Um, the candle burn them up. It's all these things. The raisins are great. They love the raisins. Okay. That is what is happening in this book. Aliens are on a huge voyage across somewhere. We don't even know the aliens. The aliens did not even know that the humans lived on Earth. Okay. As far as we can tell. They land in these zones. Humans in the surrounding area, bad things happen. Things So they have like plague districts, districts where like area where everybody went blind. Wow. Hell slime is on the ground. There's a bunch of different things that are happening that are very bad, but some things that are very good. So they find like these some artifacts that are like a never-ending battery. Like it literally will just drive a car forever, undetermined. It will never end. So it has created. This book takes place in like the years after the visitation. They call it the visitation. Okay. So the, the aliens came. Nothing really happened except for that. Like except you know, stuff bad stuff, stuff happened. They didn't like get out and fight. You know what I mean? It yeah. was just wild then they left so that was called the visitation akin to a roadside picnic if you were an ant and you were you know (laughs) and so um a whole economy sprouts up of what are called stalkers sneaking into the zone and like getting artifacts and selling them like on the black market um meanwhile like government uh bases like build up just kind of like an annihilation of like what's going on here they're studying these artifacts all the artifacts are, like, really weird. Like, nobody understands any of them. Like, it's it's literally like if an ant was trying to understand, like, the purpose of a candle. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, you just don't get it. You can see that it does something. Maybe sometimes it'll help you. Like, the raisin will help you give, you know, get energy. But, like, people just don't understand. But but hell slime might. Exactly. The hell slime? Ooh. It's so bad. <laughs> I mean, I would assume. Hell slime, it is, yeah. And it has, it'll, like, melt your bones. It's, okay. It's bleak. <laughs> So, but yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, I think it's I don't know. It's it's cool in that like it's different from Annihilation. It's different in a lot of science fiction because like interaction. There's zero communication, zero interaction between the aliens and humans. It's basically just humans like trying to figure out like what is their place in existence now that like they know this is happening. They don't understand alien tech at all, and it's kind of just like very. It's like a very human sci-fi book. Okay. But huh. yeah. It's very interesting. I think that was actually there was a video game series back yes. in the day, Stalker. That's that's on the cover of the book. It says yeah. it 
does something. We have a sticker that's covering part of it. It says, The Stalker Video Games. Yes. Oh, that's this. Good times. Um, I heard that the movie was dark and sad. The book is also dark and sad, but it ends like on a, like, a semi-positive note. But Yay. I haven't seen the movie. I know. Because, um, yeah, the, the West doesn't have a great track record of, of translating Eastern science fiction. Yeah. Um, although they have the uh, Metro 2033 series that in the last 20 years it's come out of ukraine um back in the 20s the russians released a book called we um well i guess a russian uh released a book called we by uh yevgeny zamyatin um but it wasn't translated for another couple years it's basically like a totality it's like the first dystopian novel oh wow so yeah definitely interesting that like right there's a little bit of a delay when it comes to getting things translated yeah definitely um yeah, we, we don't neat. always get get the best stuff. Yeah, right away, but but yeah, and I would I would definitely suggest reading it. I will say again, there's bad words, and it was written in the '70s, so there's some things that I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, okay, '70s, okay, um, not awesome, but I think it is kind of um, I don't know, important for the genre at least. So, but yeah, at least just know of it. Okay, yeah, <laughs> know of it. Um, but yeah, you had one more book, right? Yes. Uh, my next, my, well, my last book was called The Book of Strange New Things by, I think it's Mikkel Faber, Michael, he's French. Okay. Um, the book is in English, though, so okay. I, I don't read French. That would be cool. Um, but it basically, it talks about, um, there's this the main character and his wife. Um, uh, they're both Christians, which is very important to the story. Okay. Um, so he essentially gets this offer to, like, be a minister on another planet. But not to people, to aliens. But, so he basically, you know, he tells his wife goodbye. They pack him up. They fly Uh him out to to this planet. He meets the aliens, and they are, like, covered head to toe in, like, burlap. They wear gloves constantly. Um, He describes them, but I'm not going to do that because it's not really, that's another thing that, like, Uh is not safe for a family-friendly podcast. Oh, man. Uh, But it's, they, they are grotesque. They are hideous, grotesque aliens. To the human mind. To humans? Yes. I know. What if they, they're so happy with each other? They, they are. Um, <laughs> but uh, so he gets there and, you know, he starts ministering to them and, and doing all that. And they're like super excited to learn. You know, oh. they're, they're, they're very. They're nice. They're, they're very nice, That's actually. Nice. They're, and he later finds that because he kind of thinks, why did they bring a minute? Why did they bring a minister to this, like, you know, this, this different planet? Like, you know, it's got to cost so much money to fly. But he later finds out that it wasn't their idea. Like, it wasn't the trading company's idea. The aliens demanded that they bring a minister. They said, we will not, we will stop trading with you guys if you don't bring a minister. Yeah, so, and, and he finds he's not the first one, of course. <gasps> what do um, they do to the ministers? They don't do anything, oh, actually. Okay. That was my first thought, too. The book, you're, <laughs> like, you're like, what did they do? These, do they sacrifice these no. ministers? Which, that's actually the plot of a different science fiction novel. Um, Have you read The Sparrow? Yes, I was. It's I not, haven't read it, but I know all about it. <laughs> yeah, there's there's like a tradition of like of of especially Catholic priests in science yeah. fiction, like making important contact with aliens. This this yeah. this priest in this book is not a Catholic. Okay. Um, but there's there's one story just off on a tangent. There's one where um, I forget the name of the story, but you know, as this Catholic priest is teaching them the Bible, they essentially. I think they crucify the priest Aww. to see if he comes back after three days. 
Um, and of course he doesn't. So they're like, well, this book is, you know, it's not, not true, true. They say, because, yeah. oh my goodness. But that's not this book. This book is, that's dark. <laughs> yeah. This book is dark too. Um, I won't spoil it. Um, because, but you know, he keeps, he sends all these messages to his wife. He and his wife kind of go back and forth. But as he's on the planet more and more, he kind of finds that like, he's very intrigued by these, by these creatures, by these beings. he, He's constantly spending so much more time with them, and the messages from his wife kind of pile up and pile up, and oh my you know goodness. he just—it's like an, I'll answer him later. I'm doing important work here. Yeah. Um, and he finds out that uh, it costs what do they say? It's like several million dollars to send a message. One message from he from to him and from his wife. Like he so finds she's spending money. No, the the company is footing the bill. So it costs them so much money to maintain this guy, and he does not know any of this. Um, But it kind of feeds into this climax at the end, which, um, I mean, I'll I'll go ahead right here, kind of. It's a it's a like a blink and you'll miss it type thing. Uh Um, But the reason that the aliens are so insistent on the, um, you know, kind of having the minister is when they read the book, um, you know, the Bible. They 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 read about the resurrection of Jesus and they think, you know, we too, when we die, will be resurrected physically because their bodies do not have the capability to heal themselves. So if they get cut, that cuts there forever. Like that doesn't, so that's why they wear gloves. That's why they're covered all the time. So, you know, that, that kind of, that, that type of resurrection really appeals to them. And, and he, you know, he kind of, he sees that and he's like, oh no, like I've been, you know, right. Like, you know, he's kind of like, I miss, you know, I didn't understand what they were getting out of this. Yeah. Right. I, he's like, you know, I didn't, yeah. He didn't think what they were get, getting out of this. Yeah. Um, and then meanwhile, things on earth are just getting, I feel so sad for I, them. right. But meanwhile, things on earth are just getting awful, like oh. so bad. Um, but, uh, is there a time delay like in his travels, like other than like minute to minute, is he experiencing time at a quicker rate or a, a slower rate than like he does? I think the planet. Wait, he would be slower. I think the planets. If he's going at light speed or something, I don't well, know. If they're they, talking once, about that once at they all. landed on the planet, I think they, I think the, I don't. I don't think it's got the same day and night cycle as Earth. It's. I think it's longer days. Um, and there's a delay between the transmissions leaving the planet and you know arriving on Earth. That sort of thing. Um, I don't know. They might specify the delay. It's not like, it's not like six months or anything like that, but it's, uh, that's why it costs so much because they're sending messages at, uh, faster than light. Yup. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's probably the most, like, I like the ending I read, like, I think I read it a couple years ago and it still sticks with me. Oh my goodness. It's such a good book. That's wild. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out too. Also, we have, we have an audio book too, which is, okay. That's key. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's it's not bad, but it's not like a full cast amazing recording. It's yeah. good. That's good. All right. So my next book. Okay, I actually have two books, but I'm just going to talk about them in one breath. Okay. Simon Stollenhog. I hope that I'm saying his name correctly. I pray. I'm sorry. Um, so I'm going to start with Tales from the Loop. Um, this one is just really quickly because they're coming out with a a show on yes. it on one of the major oh. streaming services. I don't know if it's ever going to be in existence for like DVDs that we would have access to here. I don't know. I... It's, I'll just say it. It's prime. It's, I don't know if we get those DVDs, but I don't know. I think it depends on like, 
Like, because we, I think we have Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, do we? I think so. Okay, well, if it's very popular, we can just demand it. So <laughs> we'll demand it that we get it here at the library. Um, but yes, this is that book. So if you're not familiar with Simon Stallenhag, um, I would become familiar with him because he literally paints like the most incredible kind of, it's between like landscape and like, I don't know. Robots. Robots and like Is dinosaurs. that a dinosaur? Yes. A dinosaur, um, tech kind of like things that are like rotting. It's hard to describe, but I'll tell that more in, in the other book. So Tales from the Loop is about, not about, it's, it's many different like recollections of little stories, like little quick little um, kind of moments that happen in this area in the, in the rural of Sweden. There's a huge particle, like huge particle accelerator, right? So Tales from the Loop, they call it the loop. Like weird things happen, like weird things. And each of these are just like literally like a paragraph long, maybe a couple of par- paragraphs long um time anomalies so like there's like they say oh there's like a time eddy and then a dinosaur will get out and then eat the ice cream truck or these twins were playing and they crawled inside one of the robots and then they're they got body switched and then for the rest of their lives the twins are in each other's body how would anyone live there it's you know it's just one of those things a lot of cool robots a lot of cool robots that's i i just literally it's hard to describe I'm, I'm holding the book up to Nicholas. I know, I, it's like a story time. I would literally just read this book it's, like like just ooh coffee table book. It's literally the best coffee table book. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, get this one from the library and put it on your coffee table and then also read it. Um, but, yeah, it's just striking it's pictures just that he paints. Um, and each of these, yeah, it's you can just sit down and literally read one little story. It'll take 10 seconds. Um, so that's Tales from the Loop. I assume that the the television show will be like each episode will be like its own little story from this book. Yeah, right? I, I would assume. So. I would assume it's mostly going to be robots, like the dinosaur. A lot of robots. The dinosaur thing is like, yeah, it's Jurassic. I think they'll have a dinosaur thing. I would be very surprised if they did not do the twin switch one. That one's kind of cool, <laughs> but yeah, so stuff like that. Okay. Meanwhile, and this book looks very similar, like on the outside of it. We've got the electric state, and this one is actually in the science fiction section. Um, this one has a plot, characters, and everything like that. It, we follow um, a young woman named Michelle, and we are in the past. We are in 1997 in an alternate situation, an okay. alternate reality where um, there was some like war. They don't really go like too hardcore into like what specifically was happening in the war, but. They do say it was drones. So it was all drones. They, they moved away from, like, human soldiers as much as possible. Okay. A lot of drone work. But to control the drones, they have these headsets that they uh, put on you. Like VR headsets? Yes. There we go. So I'm opening it up. This is story time. Okay. So it's, like, a long thing that, like, it sits on top of your head, and it's, like, long. And there's all these paintings of it throughout the book because it's, like, they start using it to, like, actually, like, live through like people will be like oh and then now now i'm connected i can go anywhere and i can talk to anyone and people get into it deep like it is they don't take it off anymore (laughs) so they become obsessed with it the world is kind of falling apart some people don't use them so like some stores will be like still stores and stuff like you can go you know get food or whatever most people sadly i will say they do die because they're wearing these headsets and they will like walk into, you know, a traffic or like walk, like they're not, 
too concerned with their reality, their real reality, they're plugged into like the hive mind and they're literally like their body in many cases, what's happening is like the person literally has died, but their consciousness is still like happening. So it's like they're there. Okay. So she, Michelle, she has this thing where she can't wear the helmet. Like her eyes, it like connects with your optic nerve and her eyes are such that like they're just developed differently. It doesn't work on her. Okay. She used to wish that she could wear it, but now obviously she's like, maybe that's a good thing because the world is going poorly. So, and I just, I, I cannot emphasize like how cool these illustrations are. The illustrations are amazing. Incredible. So yeah, you just want to check it out. There's not a ton of words. I would estimate probably like, I don't know. I I can't estimate like 4,000 words, maybe like 10,000, maybe. Um, It's like one of those, it's like Hugo kind of like many, many pictures and then a little bit of words. So you can get through it in not too much time, but you'll be looking at the pictures. So She's on a quest to get to this house um, on the other side of the country, and you don't know why, but it becomes apparent. Like, so she has like a little robot sidekick, or is he a robot? You don't know. I assume what, the way you <laughs> asked that, he's not really a robot. But yeah, so, oh, sorry, I'm just looking at more of the pictures. The pictures are all it's, like vaguely foreboding. They're they are foreboding, but yeah, I strongly encourage you to check it out. Um, but yeah, it's it's wonderful. She is. I will also say she's um, – the book does not go, like, so far as to, like, specifically identifying what she identifies as, but she is LGBT. So that is a wonderful character. But, yeah. There's a person. He's wearing one of those headsets, and now he's slumped over, and he is connected to the hive mind never to take off the headset again. That's so, so yeah, creepy. That's, you'll just want to check it out and see more. Oof. It's very good. It actually reminds me of uh... – I think it's a book called Flashback by Dan Simmons, the same guy who wrote that book, The Terror, that got turned into a, a miniseries on, like, gosh, what, AMC, I think. I don't remember. But uh, it, it's like the, they have this drug in that book called Flashback, which lets you, like, relive the, you know, best moments of your life, and obviously people are oh. super addicted to it, and, and uh, this, you know, down-on-his-luck private detective, as private detectives are, finds out that... I think it's the, is it the Japanese? I think it's the Japanese. Like, this Japanese multi-conglomerate is developing a strain of flashback that would not only let you relive your own best memories, but essentially create, like, a, you know, it basically make you hallucinate, like, everything in your life is going awesome. Like, so it would basically just trap you in there forever. Right. Um, that's, I think that's another theme with a lot of science fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of hopeful science fiction. No, but. that's very true. And that's, I think, why I like The Martian. <laughs> the Martian is just... It's like Star Trek. You yeah, know? you got like, it. <laughs> you know, we, we need some hope now yeah. more than ever. But yeah, and I will say The Electric State ends on a hopeful note, too. It's good. That's so. good. I'm, I'm, I think I'm actually going to check that out. Yeah, seriously, do check it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's very good. All right. Well, I guess that about wraps it up for today's. Science fiction is a really fun subject to go over, so I would not um, be opposed to doing another one if we can get some more books collected. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Jen again from Southeast Regional. I'm Nicholas, also from Southeast Regional. And thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.